At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. This is the New York City Cast with Will Hill, presented by Bet Rivers. What is up, New York City Cast, Bet River Sportsbook? A Monday show for you today. Jason Weingarten, the Wide World of Weingarten podcast, baseball handicapper, uh, just an incredible sports better, very interesting listen. He will be joining us. We'll do a little AL East preview. We'll go over. Uh, some futures, some awards markets. He always has really interesting thoughts uh, on baseball and just you know the sports betting landscape in general. Uh, before we get to that, again, it was kind of a transition weekend, first weekend really since what mid late August with no football. When you think you know, even a couple of weeks ago, between the conference title games and the Super Bowl, at least you had the Pro Bowl, which you know some of you probably watched, some of you probably bet on. This was uh, first Sunday, kind of cold turkey, watching some different things. Uh, no NBA again, the NBA All Star Game. Uh, just the festivities in general. The dunk contest, I watched maybe 10 seconds of it. It was just awful. Uh, Three-point shootout, okay, it was fine. Uh, the All-Star game last night was was really bad. The you know Basically 98% of it, I was just had it on in the background. I have to say, the last 2% of it, you know, they do this Elam ending where after the third quarter, whoever's winning just needs 24 points and they create a target score. They call it the Elam ending. Uh, and so the game ends on a made basket and the clock gets turned off. It's actually, it adds some juice to the game because the last... Uh, you know, two three minutes of the game, the guys are playing defense, and it, it makes it at least watchable. And uh, you know, I'm into the Elam ending again. It adds some drama. You, you have the game end on a made shot. It's definitely a different feel to it. As uh, it was LeBron who hit a fadeaway, ball goes in, everyone kind of celebrates. It's a fun way to play the game. Uh, and again, the creators of it kind of say, you know what, this all this fouling at the end of the game, that's not really basketball. You know, you grow up playing basketball. It's you play to 21, you play to a score. You play defense the whole time. That's that's really what basketball should be. You know, I, I don't know. I think it's too extreme to ever get adopted into, you know, mainstream basketball where they're going to play the regular season playoff games like this. I don't think it ever will be. And I don't know that I'd be in favor of it, you know, that kind of format full time. But uh, it's fun. It's fun. Again, it's probably too extreme to ever get adopted. But I, I enjoy the Elam ending. Uh, they use it in one of those summer tournaments. I think it's called the basketball tournament where all these old college players play in. Again, that's, it adds some juice to it. The NBA All-Star Game, the All-Star Weekend was uh, pretty bad in general. Just, you know, tough to watch. Again, you're better off watching college basketball, catching up on old shows, just, you know, kind of getting back. After a long football season, you, you, you fall behind on just normal everyday stuff, hanging out with friends, family, uh, you know, catching up on TV shows. Again, if you're, if you're winning in football, it's, it's time-consuming, it's busy. So this was definitely a weekend to kind of recharge your batteries and, 
and start to look forward to you know a couple weeks you know, i think it's like a week 10 days these these smaller conference tournaments start so uh again it's only a week or so where you have to really um you know miss that juice of of having exciting sports because conference tournaments ncaa tournament that's as good as anything and hopefully that leads us into baseball at some point not too distant future in terms of maybe mid-april maybe late april i don't think we'll be starting on time but Again, we'll have March Madness, we'll have NBA playoffs. So got a little bit like a week or 10 days here of a lull period uh, before we kind of get cranked up going uh, going with uh, you know the NCAA tournament and uh, you know, free agency, hopefully once baseball strike ends. So again, the, the, uh, the All-Star tournament, not great to watch last night. Not very exciting. Curry did put on just an incredible show. I mean, watching that guy shoot a basketball uh, is truly a privilege. I mean, he's pulling up basically from half court from the logo. Uh, he had one shot where he shot it from the logo. The ball, as soon as the ball is out of his hands, he turns his back to the basket like he knows it's going in. And of course, uh, nothing but net. He is just a joy to watch. He is uh, just incredible. Uh, there was some basketball news. Chris Paul was going to miss six to eight weeks. Pretty much going to uh, cook him for the rest of the regular season. The Suns are forty-eight and ten. They are they're seven up in the loss column on Golden State. So. You know, they're probably still going to get the one seed. Seven in the loss column this time of year is, is a lot when you have 22, 23 games left. So they should be okay as long as you get him back for the first round. You'll be good to go. But, uh, again, if you don't, it becomes an issue. But, again, he's supposed to be reevaluated six to seven weeks. So uh, Paul should be good to go. I don't think that's a major, major issue. Again, that Suns team has some depth. Uh, they have Booker. They have a pretty soft schedule the second half of the year. So, not a major story. If he's going to get hurt, now is actually the perfect time to get hurt. Usually, you know, it's the playoffs. It's the worst time possible when Paul gets hurt at the end of the year. Now it's it's actually the time when it's manageable. So, uh, you know, the next week or two, we'll, we'll start to get into some college basketball, some NFL draft, NFL free agencies right around the corner. But coming up, Jason Weingarten on MLB. He has a 200-to-1 bet he likes. He has a bunch of futures, a bunch of interesting thoughts uh, on the AL East and baseball in general. Uh, so let's talk to Jason Weingarten about the American League East. We're going to try to manifest some good vibes here. Everyone's talking about the lockout, when we'll have baseball. We're just going to assume we're going to have baseball, whether it's 140 games, 150. I don't think we're getting 162, but at some point we'll have baseball, and we're just going to we're going to be positive here, and we'll just start with some baseball previews. AL East preview, we'll, we'll break into really what's an interesting market here with, with four teams you know, pretty evenly matched from last year, and then, of course, the Orioles. To do that, there is nobody better than this man. Our next guest, he is Jason Weingarten from the Wide World of Weingarten podcast at Spreadopedia on Twitter. What's up, Jason? How's it going, man? What's going on? Thanks for uh, thanks for having me on again. I mean, you were just you were too much of a hit the first time to not have back. Uh, let's get into it. It's really it's interesting with this division because there's four teams kind of bunched up. I'll just go through the odds at Bet Rivers for the division. Where you have the Rays two to one, Yanks around two to one, Blue Jays also around two to one, then the Red Sox a little bit of a gap around you know five eighty six to one, what let's call it, and then the Orioles bringing up the rear one hundred and fifty to one in that range. Uh, we'll start with the Rays. You know, won hundred games last year, didn't even make it to a fifth game of the divisional round. They lost to Boston. They didn't add anybody really yet. They added Corey Kluber on kind of a prove-it deal. Uh, it's not their MO to really go and add pieces. Uh, what do you see with this Rays team? Anything you like in terms of a future and, and where they stand? Well, I mean, everybody always likes the Rays just because they seem to always replenish their pitching and find guys. And, you know, they'll, they'll pull a Drew, a Drew Rasmussen out of nowhere and sign a Corey Kluber. And 
Luis Patino they traded from uh, from uh, the Padres a couple of years back. You know they're they're always going to have interesting interesting arms, but they they've tended to you know like you mentioned they disappointed last year and they just didn't get out of the first round. They have Wander Franco though. They're going to have a whole season of Wander Franco, a guy I took an early stab on for uh, MVP this year. But uh, I have no no play on them for the division or the uh, the pennant. I think I think there are much more compelling teams in the uh, the AL East to bet on this year than the Rays. Yeah, it's tough because it, you know it felt like for a month, six weeks, they just never could lose. They were probably the best team day in day out in the American League. It's just that's what's cruel about a, especially a short series, a five game series where you go in, uh, especially when you have you know twenty one, twenty two year old guys starting games one or two. It's just tough. You, you know you have a bad couple of days and uh, you're out of it. They had a bad bounce against bounce, uh, against Boston. Remember the ball didn't go or it went over the wall, but I guess the the right fielder knocked it over, so they called it a ground rule double. It's just it's tough. The pitching was too young. They didn't get anything out of glass now, and they just kind of came up short. It's not a bad team by any means, no. you know, offense or pitching. Um, especially with Wander Franco, you know, I can talk about him forever, but I just, every, every time I have a chance to bet on them so far for the division, I've just decided that my money was better spent elsewhere. Yeah. You mentioned Franco. Uh, I know you had an interesting thought and I totally agree with it a couple years ago. Like, how do you not call him up against the Dodgers? You bat him eight. There's no pressure on him. I mean, you see what he did last year. You got to be kicking yourself in a, a series that went six against the Dodgers. A lot of those games were close. Uh, it's just kind of strange. I know he was really young, but you got to figure he could have helped them a couple years ago in the World Series. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm more aggressive than a lot of MLB employed uh, front office people are in my thoughts on on promoting guys early from from the minors. But to me, it just it's still crazy that that they left him on the bench against the Dodgers and I, I get I understand you know the value in the future versus you know the the series but the point of every game is to win and that's my problem with the Rays is a lot of times I just get the feeling that that they understand winning and, and you know far be it from me to to argue with them and their success and their front office and everything they've done but you know the point is for me is to win every game not to project that I'm going to win, you know, three years from now, or that I'm going to have an extra year of Wander Franco. That's all irrelevant to me. Always will be. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, anyone you think they'll add? I know Cruz is a free agent. Uh, again, it's not their style to go out and add pieces. Uh, anyone you could see them adding in terms of major free agents or probably not? I mean, it's hard. It's hard to say who's going to add what post lockout. You know, you expect there's going to be some, some random signings and some curveballs, but uh, I, I, I'm outside of a couple of guys like Freddie Freeman that I've paid close attention to. I, I don't, I don't have any insight as to who, who's going to sign where post lockout. I think, you know, that's just beyond my ability to prognosticate. How about any more in terms of awards? You mentioned Franco in terms of an MVP, anyone else, you know, Cy Young, probably not the pitchers. Like I said, are probably too young. You probably won't get the innings out of McClanahan and Baz, who have nasty stuff. I just probably can't see him getting enough innings to, to win Cy Young. Any or sort of uh, awards, you know, markets you're interested with this team? I don't mind. Uh, I don't mind McClanahan, actually, for Cy Young. He he throws, I think, uh, he's second behind uh, DeGrom 
an average fastball velocity. He's he's definitely a dude that that can throw hard, and uh, you know it's 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 somewhat of a it's an interesting race, the Cy Young race in the AL, because you got a guy like Garrett Garrett Cole up on the top, but if if you get past him, there's there's all sorts of opportunities for for the Cy Young. So I'm actually I'm I'm not opposed to uh, McClanahan as one of my uh, one of my Cy Young futures. I mean, I like it more than like Shane Bieber at eight to one or Robbie Ray at eight to one. You know, it's a lot different backing Robbie Ray at eight to one to win the Cy Young than a hundred to one or fifty to one. So, I'm I'm definitely looking farther down the board for value in the uh, AL Cy Young this year. Yeah, McClanahan just has nasty stuff. I mean, hundred miles an hour, which look they all probably they, pretty much every guy throws a hundred now. But I mean, everything moves. It looks like he's basically throwing a wiffle ball out there. Just incredible stuff. Uh, Okay, I guess we can move on to Boston. They tied with the Yankees for second in the division last year, 92 wins. Of course, they beat the Yankees in that playing game, the wild card game, upset Tampa, had a two games to one lead on Houston and led in game four. They had a really, you know, really five, six outs away from going up three games to one in that series. Then if they do, who knows? But uh, they lose in the ALCS. Uh, they lost Rodriguez to the Tigers, Eduardo Rodriguez. Uh, they traded Renfro to Milwaukee. Schwarber's a free agent. He's still not signed. They took a little, uh, a few stabs at some of these prove it guys: Rich Hill, Michael Walker, James Paxton. They got Jackie Bradley back from Milwaukee. Uh, you know, six to one to win the division, second place last year. Anything you like in terms of Boston? They uh, they surprised me a lot last year. I, I didn't expect them to be as competitive as they were. Uh, really, really good front office. Just just rebuilt that team quicker than uh, than expected. My uh, my biggest interest, player future-wise, in this team is uh, Tristan Casas for MVP. He, or not sorry, uh, Rookie of the Year, not MVP. He's he's probably available around thirty to one or so. He'll uh, he'll he'll get a lot of at bats, a split, designated hitter, uh, first base role, especially. Um, his only competition is is Bobby Dahlbeck for first base at bats right now, without without Schwarber on the the roster, and I think he's actually probably better than uh, Bobby Dahlbeck. But uh, you know, it's it's one of those things you really gotta gotta see what uh, what comes out of spring training if we ever get it to uh, to have any idea if, if Tristan Casas is gonna be an early call up or a late call up or what. But I do expect to see him early. As far as like the uh, the the odds go to win the division, not uh, not my favorite bet. I'm you know I'm a little hesitant. The the farther I look down the pitching staff. Chris Sale's a little bit older. Rich Hill is ancient at this point. You know, you can't rely on 200 innings out of them or 180 innings from, from either of those guys, really. And Michael Walker's a nice question mark, but I could see this team, the pitching-wise, taking a step back this year. Um, Offense-wise, it's it's a very good team. Rafael Devers is uh, a top-tier player that probably doesn't get as much credit as he deserves. Yeah, I should also mention Red Sox nine to one to win the American League, eighteen to one to win it all. And just to go back to Tampa, they are, uh, let's see, they are Tampa's eleven to one to win it all, and they are plus five fifty to win the American League. So, just wanted to throw that out there. Yeah, I mean Boston, it's funny they were so bad in that strike in the uh, in the bubble season. I mean they were historically bad, just terrible pitching. And even 2019, they missed the playoffs. 2018, they're one of the you know best teams of all time, pretty much. 108 wins. They go 11 and three in the playoffs. 
Uh, never really get threatened. So it's been kind of a roller coaster. I'm with you. Good lineup. Not sure they have enough pitching. Uh, again, so nothing futures. Obviously, probably not a Cy Young candidate with, with Sale. Anyone you could see them adding? Or, again, that's just too hard to project for you. Too too hard to project. But uh, Schwarber could probably come back. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if they work something out with him post-lockout. <laughs> yeah, he had one of the crazier stretches you'll ever see in, like, June, July. Basically seemed like he was hitting one or two homers every night. It was just unbelievable. Um, all right, we can move on to the Yankees. Again, they are 2-1 to one to win the division. Uh, plus 550 to come out of the American League. And, you know, right around 11-1. to one, Similar odds to the race. 11-1 to one to win the whole thing. They really haven't done much of anything. I mean, they designated Frazier for assignment, Odor, and Tyler Wade. Uh, those guys have all caught on elsewhere. Uh, they really haven't added anyone of note. You figure they get somebody once this, this uh, lockout ends, whether it's Freeman, whether it's Correa. Uh, you know, had a roller coaster season last year. You know, one thirteen in a row at one point. Uh, again, they went through these long stretches where they couldn't hit. It's really kind of a strange team. Anything you're looking at here with the Yankees in terms of uh, futures awards? Anything in terms of that? No, not really. I mean, they were a 92 win team last year, and I, I think the perception is more like you know that they weren't very good and they they. You know, there's nothing wrong when you win 92 games, but the 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 way people talk about the Yankees, especially in New York, is it's it's not good enough. I, I understand that you're always expecting better, and you know, 92 games is nice, but a championship is much nicer. I think they're probably going to add somebody, whether it's Freddie Freeman or Matt Olson via trade. You know, there's there's been a lot of talks about the uh, the A's doing another tear down and that would probably benefit the the Yankees so it wouldn't surprise me to see them add uh add more to this lineup but you know you have Aaron Judge and and John Carlos Stanton still in the middle of that lineup that's that's what's going to carry you there's not there's only so much you can add to that it's it's the pitching that that they need you know you can never have enough pitching in Major League Baseball and uh Nestor Cortez, Domingo German, you know, uh, Luis Severino coming back from uh, from Tommy John. They're all nice. They're all ni- they're all great, you know, pitchers. But you need more than that. So they're really going to have to go out and acquire some pitching, either post lockout or you know before the trade deadline to uh, <clears throat> remain competitive for a, a championship this year. Yeah, I mean, that's that's always the question again. Where do you get the pitching, though? I actually thought the guys outside of Cole pitched much better than what I thought. I think the uh, the new pitching coach has done a pretty good job there. Uh, they got, you know, decent innings out of Tyone. Cortez was good for him. Uh, you know, Cole, I think, took a step back once he hurt his hamstring in September. I mean, he still finished second in Cy Young. So uh, any idea where they would go for a pitcher? I don't know that Kershaw coming to the American League would make a lot of sense. Any Any idea where you'd get a pitcher from if you're the Yankees? Uh, I would say Kershaw is probably zero zero percent to the Yankees. Um, Sean Manaya in uh, in Oakland could be a guy who's available. Beyond that, my guess is uh, <clears throat> my guess is they're gonna have to uh, wait till the season starts and see who's who's a seller and uh, trade some prospects. But uh, yeah, it's, it's uh, can't really tell you who's available till until I know what the season looks like. What'd you make of the step back? Couple guys, Torres and Lemayhu. I mean, Torres was a guy who looked like, you know, he was on a path to maybe be an MVP candidate year in year out. I mean, he was really good at a really young age. 
basically did nothing a lot of a lot of last year. Kind of surprising. What did you make of his regression? LeMay, who didn't hit well, is that just kind of a one-off? You expect those guys to bounce back this year? LeMahieu was playing at such a high level that seeing some regression wasn't a total surprise, especially leaving Colorado and, and maintaining those numbers in a short season in, uh, in New York. You know, it's not surprising to see those numbers, you know, kind of regress a little bit on a 162-game basis. And I, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't expect them to go become worse necessarily, but, um, you know, he's he's a very good player. I don't I don't think he's going to hit at an MVP level again, though. Torres, I don't know. Um, I probably just attribute it to a bad year. He's still young, still has a lot of time to uh, become a very good player. But uh, same thing, I don't I don't think he's ever going to reach that MVP level shortstop um, sort of projection. But there's no reason he can't be a perennial All Star. But he's still like, am I am I wrong? He's still like 25 or something. I can look that up. Real yeah, quick. he might even be younger. It might be 23, 24. And I think that's you. You mentioned Yankee fans can be a little curmudgeonly, a little frustrated. I think that's where it comes from. Where 2017, 18 look like you know they're on their way with this young core to really you know being. Not necessarily a dynasty that's probably strong, but a, a team that would be in the World Series, compete for World Series year in, year out. And you would have figured they would have at least been to one. I mean, 2017, they were all super young. They were up three two, three games to two in the ALCS, and they just kind of haven't reached that next level. You know, Torres is kind of plateaued. Uh, Judge and Stanton have had a hard time staying on the field. So I think that's kind of where the frustration comes from from Yankee fans. Yeah, I agree. He's 25, by the way, but I, I wouldn't give okay. up on a 25-year-old shortstop. There's still plenty of time for him to, you know, ascend to a higher level yeah plus if you're trading them now you're selling low so it makes no point uh to sell low i, I remember a couple of years ago it was castillo for the reds they wanted torres and that was kind of a a deal breaker from the yankee standpoint and i think even there was a point where Degrom uh was rumored now who knows how much of this was internet rumors but yankee fans were so attached to torres it was like look there's one guy we'll trade torres for and that's mike trout that's how highly you know he was thought of now maybe that's uh that's hyperbole, but that, I mean, that's kind of where Torres was out. He was really good, you know, his rookie year, 2018 and uh, into 19. So be interesting to see if he bounces back. What do you think of Stanton at 50 to 1 to win MVP? I mean, you always have to worry about him staying on the field. Uh, again, he's a guy I think Yankee fans were way too hard on. Uh, again, it's frustrating when a guy gets hurt, but I mean, he was incredible the, the end of last year. I mean, he's hitting 9 million home runs at Fenway Park. Almost hit a few at in, in that wild card game where he did hit one, a couple more just missed. He crushed the monster. Uh, could I talk you into staying at fifty to one? Probably not, but only because I've already bet that two or three years in a row and been burned by it. So, um, probably just going to leave that off this year. So it wouldn't surprise me if he ends up putting up an MVP campaign when I sit it out. 50s pretty 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 high number it's a pretty good number for for an MVP candidate I would I would probably shop around if I was looking for a a Stanton bet I'd probably look at the home run market see if I could find anything for him to lead the uh the league or the both leagues and home runs probably 20 to 1 I see 20 to 1's the the bet rivers number is is fairly reasonable puts him up there with you know Guys like Otani and Salvador Perez and, you know, guys in his, his you know, caliber. But I'd probably go with the, the home run leader over the MVP because he can hit a lot of home runs and still end up uh, second place on an MVP. But but if you end up, you know, leading the league in home runs, <clears throat> you uh, 
you could still cash that ticket and it's, and also you cash that ticket immediately when the season ends as opposed to waiting until November. Yeah, I was going through the voting from last year just as kind of a refresher for the American League uh, MVP. I was surprised Stanton didn't get any consideration, any votes to me. I mean, he got big hit after big hit. I was surprised he got nothing in terms of consideration last year. I thought that was a little surprising. Yeah, but I mean, last year the voting was was pretty done. Didn't matter. It yeah. was Otani and then who cares? Right. Yeah, no doubt. Um, anything, I mean, there's probably no value here in terms of Cole, in terms of Cy Young. That price is probably just too short. I'm sure you would, you'd probably agree with that, no? Yeah, I'm not, not, not in love with, with Cole at, at short odds. I don't think you, you get a lot of value locking up money at a, a short number like that in a Cy Young market. A, yeah, how about anybody off the radar here in terms of these rookies, anyone that can emerge? You're as good as anyone when it comes to these minor leaguers. Any, any prospects here in terms of rookie of the year? Uh, any pitchers in the pipeline that, you know, I'm not going to win Cy Young as a rookie, but uh, any of these young guys you like in terms of these markets? You're talking about you're talking about the Yankees? Yeah, anyone on the Yankees. I, I know Domingos is probably a year or two away. Uh, sounds like Volpe's a year away. Anyone you like that you could see coming up this year to making an impact? Yeah, I'd be really shocked if we saw uh, Jason Dominguez this year. That would... Uh... That would be some a lot of crazy things would have to happen for that to to be a consideration. Uh, as far as like top tier prospects who can make an impact who are projected to to join the big league team this year, uh, Oswald, Oswald Peraza. Are you familiar with him at all? He's a shortstop. Yeah, um, yeah he's pretty like good. He had a, good a nice stops. nice little power surge in the minors last year. I bought one of his baseball cards for about a hundred bucks gone up to about four or five hundred bucks since then so uh I'm, I'm hoping he gets a little bit more of a bump and i can can sell that into into the hype because you know yankee guys yankee shortstops are always gonna gonna have hype in the the card market um but i could see i could see praza coming up this year contributing and i could see luis medina he's a pitcher i think he made it to double a last year but uh I could see him coming up and pitching either in some sort of relief role or getting getting a look as a starter. But beyond that, the uh, the the Yankees farm system is is more geared towards the future as opposed to contributing to the team this year. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Yankees Yankee fans hear about these prospects a lot. Like Devi Garcia was supposed to be the next big thing, and he was pretty good when he came up two years ago. Remember, they started him in that playoff game, just as kind of a decoy. Uh, last year had a bad year. Any of these prospects, in terms of pitchers that that you could see making an impact, or again, they're just too far down the road. Mostly too far down the road, but I, I could see Medina getting starts. He he's all right. I, I watch him pitch a couple times in the minors. All right. How about anything in terms of a futures market? You know, eleven to one to win it all, five to one, six to one to come out of the American League. Uh, does that interest you, or, or just too short odds? Too short. I've I've backed yeah. the Yankees a bunch of times before. Uh, mostly, mostly been burned. Not uh, not going to take a short number like that this year. How about two to one to win the division? No, my uh, my division bets on the Blue Jays. Oh, it is. Okay. Yeah, I bet uh, I bet the Blue Jays two and a half to one. Like I think it was on Friday, actually. All right, that's a good segue. We can go into the Blue Jays because, man, they're good. Last year was as good as anybody. I mean, their run differential was really impressive. I mean, a lot of that they scored nine million runs against the Orioles a lot of times, but uh, they were really good, really dangerous. I think if they got in, they could have won the whole thing. It wouldn't have surprised me. It won't surprise me if they win it all this year. Uh, but they did lose Robbie Ray. 
they did lose Marcus Simeon to Texas, who actually came in third in, in MVP as I was just looking at it. Uh, they did get Gossman from the Giants. Uh, you mentioned you like them. It, it, are you just on division? Anything else in terms of uh, American League World Series, or is it just, just division for you? Just division so far. I thought two and a half was was just too too big of a number um, based on on the other numbers out there, and their their lineup. I mean, even you take Semyon out of that that lineup, and the top four yeah. is still Springer, Bichette, Vlad Jr., and Teo Oscar Hernandez. You know, and and again, you're talking about teams that are. Uh, looking to add stuff, they're not necessarily done adding stuff in Toronto either. So that's a really strong lineup, and it's a very strong pitching staff, especially if they get innings out of Nate Peterson this year. Yeah, as somebody who, who's had money on them against them, I mean, they are just terrifying to bet against. They can, they have power. Obviously, Guerrero would have won the MVP a lot of years, pretty much any year other than last year. He was great. Uh, they have power. Barrios gives them some, you know, rotation options. They got some hard throwers. Manoa was really good. Um, anything you like? I mean, their odds are pretty much the same as the Yankees here. Eleven to one to win it all, plus five fifty to come out of the American League. So, uh, the books are basically telling you they're dead even with the Yankees. They're probably a little better than the Yankees because the Yankees always give you a lot of uh, exposure, a lot of liability as a book. That you know, the Yankees, um, uh, the Blue Jays don't give you that. So the Blue Jays, you know, being on the same par as the Yankees, really tells you something. Uh, anyone you could see him adding? Any of these free agents kind of a fit for you, you think? Freddie Freeman. Yeah. Poof, that would, I mean, that would be brutal. They, everyone's always trying to tie him to the Yankees. I think I think you could tie him to the Blue Jays just as easily. Uh, they have a spot for him. And uh, he's Canadian, or he's half Canadian, I believe. Yeah. Do you think he's definitely leaving the Braves? I can never tell with this stuff how much of it is leverage. You know, you get the Yankees involved. It, it sort of puts these other teams' feet to the fire. Use the Yankees. Use the Dodgers as leverage. How much of this is leverage? How much of this is real between Freeman uh, and the Braves? My opinion on the on the Braves and Freddie Freeman is that coming off a World Series champion, where he's you know your your team captain and recent MVP, if if they had wanted to make a deal with him, they would have already made a deal with him. The fact. The fact that they haven't agreed to a contract should be concerning for Braves fans because it's it's implying that he's not coming back. Yeah, I'm just I'm so excited to get this season underway and get you know the the rest of the hot stove get the season underway. I don't know when it's going to happen. We can talk about that in a minute, but yeah, that'll be a, an interesting one to keep an eye on. Uh, anything in terms of futures? Obviously, Guerrero is going to be a short price. Probably not much you're interested. Anyone in terms of MVP, Cy Young, you know, Manoa at long odds. Anyone you like here for either either of those markets? You know, it's it's really hard to bet anybody besides Vlad uh, Vlad Jr. for MVP. But like you said, Vlad Jr. is a short short favorite up top with Otani and Mike Trout. So I'm not looking to back. Vlad at three to one or four to one or five to one. I think Bo Bichette flying under the radar a little bit. Little bit. He's uh, he bats second. He bats second in that lineup in between George Springer and uh, Vlad Jr. So he gets he gets a lot of at bats too, with a lot of protection from quality hitters around him. And you could you can get him at like forty to one to win MVP. Which, uh, you know, it's always hard. You have to beat your own teammate when your teammate is Vlad Jr. or your teammate's Mike Trout. It's There's a lot of things that have to go your way for it to work out. But I'd much rather put my money on Boba Shed at 40-1 to 1 than Vlad at 3-1 to 1 or 4-1 to 1 right now. 
Yeah, Springer's one you could talk me into just based off talent. He's so good when he plays. It's just he's always hurt. Seemed like last year, you know, he played three or four games. He'd have a hamstring. He'd go on the DL for another, you know, month. And so, again, part of this is it's two things. It's tying your money up until basically, you know, Thanksgiving when they announce these awards. If you're betting it in February, you're not cashing until Thanksgiving. You know, if you're betting something at three to one, four to one, it's probably not worth tying up your money for that long. Uh, and then just worrying about injuries. I mean, you got to just take into account, can this guy stay on the field, things like that. Yeah, George Springer is also 32, going on 33. It's a little old for an MVP. Yeah, no doubt. How about you know Manoa, Cy Young, any of these guys in terms of Cy Young catch your eye or not really? Not really. Um, I mean, I guess you could make a case for, for Gosman or Berrios if you really wanted, yeah, but, but no. Both around 20 to 1. Yeah, I, I, I mean, they'd just be one guy in a portfolio if I had them, and need, none of them stand out really too strong. What uh, what's your usually your strategy with awards? Because you're great at finding these long shots. Do you usually just try to wait for a dip? Do you try to you know if guy has a couple bad starts, that's when you buy him? Because I, I think you've made the point before. You know, once a guy, it's like in the NBA, a guy has two fifty point games in a row, then people start betting him for MVP. It's like no, the time to bet him is before he has the two fifty point games. What's kind of your strategy here with the awards markets once the season does start? I mean, there's a lot of value in season with the numbers moving and things happening. But I, I think the majority of the value that, that I tend to find is, is early as opposed to, to in season. And, and just, just looking back on, on my stuff from, from the last couple of years, I tend to make far more money in the bets at the beginning of the season than I do, you know, stuff that I'm playing in season. Um, but the thing is, is when you're buying stuff in season at a hundred to one, you only need, you know, you only need it to win once to make up for any 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 bad buys you have all all season. So it's a little bit of a different strategy in season versus preseason. But typically, I mean, the first thing I do is I just go through whatever odds I'm looking at and I throw out all the guys that I I know aren't going to win for whatever reasons. And once you eliminate half of the board, then you can focus on the guys who are left. And then you could start kind of breaking it down more from a, a more realistic pool of winners. And then I then I start looking at the guys up top and I, I, I make the decision, you know, kind of first first decision I make is if I want to bet the favorite or if I want to go against the favorite. And some years, some years, you know, and it, it, it varies between the NFL and M MLB and whatever other futures you're betting. But some years the, the short favorite is the way to go. You know, like that guy's gonna win. Like Connor McDavid, for example, this year for the Hart Trophy, it was like everybody I I talked to who who bets hockey was just like, yeah, bet bet Connor McDavid at a short number, you know, and just hold it all season. There's no no point in going farther down the board trying to make make cases for another guy. But you know, typically, I'm not looking to back a favorite, and I'm trying to to make cases for value uh, farther down the list. Um, you know, like I mentioned, Bo Bichette, I think is a better bet than Vlad Guerrero this year, just in terms of the odds at 40 to one versus, you know, three to one or whatever. Um, but, but from there, then I, I generally, <clears throat> I will compare the, the market overall to my own numbers from there. And then, then I'll kind of just make a portfolio from that. If, if, if I want, you know, multiple guys, or if I want to focus on a lot on one guy, for instance. 
What's uh what's the best one you ever hit in terms of a future, whether it's you know, uh in season, before the season, what's kind of your best call, your uh your your best one in terms of what you've ever hit? I know you had Franco last year and Soto, both those were outstanding calls. You got screwed, I think, on both of them. But what's one that cashed that you're really proud of? I mean, I had Jordan Alvarez like two hundred to one for rookie of the year. I don't recall anybody else having having wow. an opinion on him except me. Um so that was called cool. the middle of the year, right? Yeah, that was an example of something that was available. I'm sure I bet that in like July. No, probably like June. Probably late May, early June, you know. Go in, casually grab a two hundred to one future. Um you know, stuff like that happens occasionally. Otani was cool. Wasn't wasn't the wasn't as big as two hundred to one. Um but yeah, I mean I've I've won a bunch of futures. So it's, I mean, like it, it was the, the first time I did it, the second time I did it, it was very exciting. You know, now I, I'm not, I don't get super excited about it. Like I was more excited when Trevor Bauer won the Cy Young in 2019. Cause I, I put a lot of, a lot of work into getting the biggest numbers I could there in the short season. And I had a whole, whole thesis for why Trevor Bauer would win. And it worked out exactly how I expected. So um, you know, I mean, that was cool, but Trevor Bauer is kind of an asshole, so you know, I don't, I don't really like him. But besides uh, had, that, no, I mean, yeah, I, I kind of, kind of stopped keeping track a while ago. They just, it's, I just keep track of the overall portfolio season by season. Yeah, I had Bauer too. It was a big part of your Bauer handicap because that was the uh, the sixty game season. A lot of games against like the Pirates, uh, some of those really bad teams. The AL Central was bad. The NL Central couldn't hit. Was that a big part of your uh, your handicap? No, I didn't think about that at all. It probably helped a lot though. Um, my whole thing with Bauer winning in twenty nineteen was that the the Reds had went gone out and hired the the head of driveline to uh. be their their pitching coach, and Bauer was like the first driveline guy, so he literally had like his own personal pitching coach in the organization. And just personality wise, that was 2019 was still about the time where the baseball media was was kind of in love with Trevor Bauer and you know Jeff Passan was was writing and saying positive, amazing things about him still. Um, but everyone was sort of in the Bauer cult at that time and he's so good and all he does is practice and look at the analytics and his spin rates. And he's just like, like psychologically you could tell that he was very goal oriented and his goal was to win the Cy Young. Like he had, he had stated that you could go look at the interviews. He was like, I'm going to win the Cy Young, you know, and the organization gave him the opportunity with his own pitching coach to go out there and lead the team and be the ace and carry the team, you know, and he did. He he dragged their asses to the playoffs, and then in the playoffs he dragged them, you know, for nine innings to a one-zero oh, loss up. or whatever oh, uh, versus God. the Braves. But you know, regardless of what you think of Bauer as a person, Bauer 2019 as a pitcher, he literally dragged an underperforming team through a 60-game season, you know, when they talk about putting a team on his back, he literally put that 2019 Reds team on his back and carried them into the playoffs, and they did nothing for him, um, oh, except cool. get him yeah. a huge contract. But, yep. you know, so, and again, my, my, my personal opinion on Bauer is he's, he's kind of a toxic teammate, but um, 2019 Bauer definitely deserved the Cy Young.
Yeah, that was uh, that was the 2020 season where they played the 60 games and they played the Braves in that two out of three and they left nine million guys on base, for second and third, no out, man yeah. on third, one out, just could not even get a fly ball to get that win and they had pitching set up to win it. Gray was pitching well, Castillo was pitching well. They had they had a chance and then if they won, they would have played the Marlins in the wild card. I had some futures on them, so I'm still kind of bitter about that one. Um, I didn't uh, realize we, that was 2020. I kept saying 2019. Yeah, yeah no, 2020, Bauer. You're right. The, the last four, the last three years have all kind of blended together. Who knows what year? Very it is. much. Yeah. Um, we didn't mention the Orioles. 150 to one. This is the last team in the AL East. 150 to one. There's 200 to one out there to win uh, the AL East. Again, they lost uh, 110 games last year. They actually played pretty well in September just to get to 52 wins. Uh, any thoughts on the Orioles? Because they got a lot of high picks. The one thing about sucking for three or four years, you're going to end up with some hot, some good prospects, some high picks. Uh, give me your thoughts here on the Orioles. I actually bet the 200 to 1 to win the division. Why am I not surprised? That's why well, that's an interesting bet. I mean, that really that's a teaching moment for for everyone in the audience, me included where sometimes you just some things you don't even consider when you bet. That's the that's a mistake you make where you know, I would look at the Orioles 201 and just not even consider it. Uh take us into your thought process here behind Baltimore. So, you know, there's a there's a old Stephen A. Smith saying from, from one of the old draft draft nights uh, when they drafted Bruno Cabacolo. I don't know if anyone's yeah. familiar with him. I, I think he might still be floating around in the, the NBA somewhere. I think he's in but uh, the, the, the scouting description that Stephen A. Smith gave of Bruno Cabacolo when he was drafted is there, he's two years away from being two years away. So yep. my... My opinion on Baltimore is similar, although I'd say they're probably one year away from being one year away, you know, as opposed to two years away from being two years away. Um, so they're 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 building a very strong organization from from the ground up. And when when the new administration came over from the Astros a couple of years ago, they were very clear about you know what what needed to be done at the organizational level to rebuild the Orioles and it, it was a complete teardown. They had to get rid of the Chris Davises and, you know, clear the salary cap and, and rebuild this team from, from rookie ball, you know, and they're doing that. If you look at like the, their, uh, their, their single a team Delmarva or whatever last year, um, they crushed it. They won like 80% of their games or something. They're, they're doing really, really crazy things at the low minor league level right now because they're rebuilding the organization from that level, not the major league level. Um, in the process, the last three years or so have been absolutely some of the worst quality baseball that, that we've seen in, in modern MLB history from, from the major league organization. You know, and it's it's not so much the, the fault of, of the players as much as the 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 front office has put a you know a, a a squad of limited talent at the major league level and expected them to perform and you know that's why you're getting 50 win teams year over year you know this is this is 50 win quality talent for the most part that, that they've been fielding but it's starting to turn around and when you look at the roster and you see Cedric Mullen who had a 2020 season last year did did really well um, Ryan Mount Mount Castle had you know uh, a lot of home runs. I was 30 plus for a rookie. He's a, a pretty solid you know corner uh, first base third base DH type. You know there's some talent there. They have Anthony Santander who's all right. You know is not 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 amazing, but he's he's done done okay. And then you add 
You add Adley Rutschman to that lineup. He, he upgrades the catching, which upgrades the pitching staff. He's also an elite, you know, rookie, rookie catcher, rookie hitter. Um, if he's up in the lineup, you know, relatively early by May, June, that adds to, to them winning a couple more games. And then you mentioned uh, free agents before, you know, what, what would it take, you know, hypothetically for somebody like Carlos Correa, who has a very thin market out there, you know, in terms of, of suitors, the Astros don't necessarily want him back and they do want him back. They want him to take a pay cut and his, his ties to the Astros cheating scandal are going to probably prevent some other teams from, from giving him larger offers. But, you know, what if Baltimore decides with, with the, with their front office from, from Houston that already has a, you know, a connection and, and a history with Correa. What if they sign Carlos Correa? You know, what is what does Adley Rutschman and Carlos Correa bring to this lineup potentially versus versus the rest of these teams? Obviously, they're still you know heads and shoulders below the talent of the Blue Jays or the Red Sox or the Yankees lineup when it comes to hitting. Even if you were to hypothetically add Rutschman and Carlos Correa to the mix, but we talked about the lockout and the lockout looks like unless they get a deal done this week and I'm not optimistic they will, but it looks like this is going to drag on and kill spring training and kill the beginning of spring training, which is going to carry over into April. And when we do get a season, maybe it's 140 games, maybe it's 120 games, maybe it's a hundred games, but every month you kind of chop off the MLB season leads to more variance. And you mentioned the Marlins made the playoffs in yep. the 2020 shortened season when it was uh, when it was 60 games. But you start getting less games, you play 100 games or whatever, crazy things start to happen. And I, I just don't think 200 to 1 is the right number for Baltimore winning the division in the event that we get a short season. And I am projecting a shorter season. So, you know, with that in mind... I think you have to keep in mind that that crazy things happen and long shots long shots tend to have more life and injuries tend to pop up, you know, pitchers don't tend to bounce back when you give them too much time off and there's all sorts of things that that pop up with with unexpectedly with with extra time off. So yeah, 200 to 1. I've I've made worse bets. <laughs> We're talking with Jason Weingarten, World Wide World of Weingarten podcast. Uh, check that out wherever you get podcasts. Uh, any of these guys for Rookie of the Year interest you? Uh, any bets you've made there? I know these pitchers, Rodriguez and Hall, are supposed to be really good. Both first-round picks. Uh, both young guys with really electric arms. Uh, anything in terms of Rookie of the Year markets that, that interests you from these guys? Yeah, I didn't mention Rodriguez or Hall. But, but again, those are two guys that, you know, if you add them to the rotation, you want to get aggressive. Um they they have talent. There's there's talent developing in Baltimore, but like I said, it's probably <clears throat> probably still a year away from from being really competitive. But you'll probably see some seeds this year. You know, start seeing them start seeing them perform a little bit. But uh, rookie of the year, Adley Rutschman is one of the favorites. He's like five to one at Bet Rivers or so. I think that's a uh, it's a decent bet. You know, he's a he's a favorite for a reason. But I'm I'm skeptical how much the the O's push them to the big leagues if they don't think they're going to compete this year. If they do think they're going to compete this year, then obviously he'll 
he'll be a favorite and he'll get a lot of at bats. But my rookie of the year bet, I bet, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Rodriguez, Julio Rodriguez on the Mariners. I bet him at 16 to 1. I wrote about it. He's down to 10 to 1. And he's down to six to one at Bet Rivers. He's actually almost a co-favorite with with Torkelson and uh, Rutschman and the who's the third Bobby Witt. He's he's almost a quad favorite with the the four of them now, which is much more reasonable than his huge the huge numbers he was before. But if you do have big numbers still out there, anything ten to one or better on Julio Rodriguez would would be my first AL uh, Rookie of the Year bet. I I, I wrote about why I. I bet it, and I think it's. It, I think that's one of the best bets out there. Yeah, I mean, without getting into all the labor disputes and you know what's what the players want, what the owners want, it is it is bad for baseball the way these the these younger players, these exciting you know best players, uh, best prospects at least in baseball just kind of get withheld, and we all kind of lose out. You know, we all want to see Bobby Witt, we all want to see Rushman, we all want to see Julio Rodriguez. You know, we want to see these guys, and it's just you have to wait forever. It's really counterproductive to the sport. Yeah, it's, I, I understand it from the the ownership management perspective and the financial perspective, but it it's killing the sport, especially when when you think of you know how much time we spend talking about the Super Bowl and how much time we spend talking about the NBA and everything great going on and in, in sports everywhere else that takes up so much of our attention. And then when it comes to baseball, it's always just negativity and fighting over money. And you know, baseball baseball's in a position where it. it it should be engaging its fans and, and instead it's it's alienating the the fan base that's that's left and it's it's gonna you know it's usually not good when you know after 1994 it took took years for people to to care about baseball again so baseball should should consider its position and tread lightly yeah i don't know if it's uh if baseball was lucky or if it's damning of baseball the fact that the whole eric k tyler skagg situation really didn't get a lot as you know as much presses i mean can you imagine a starting nfl player a starting nba player dies because of drugs he got from a trainer or teammate that kind of thing i mean it would just be a non-stop massive story baseball kind of flies under the radar again maybe that's good for baseball maybe it's just a, it's an indication of just how far you know off the map baseball is yeah i mean i think there were bunch of factors there one of them being that it, it took three years for this to go to trial so by the time it got there nobody really cared about what happened three years ago and you know unfortunately for Tyler Skaggs who is dead now but it you know it sucks to say but but you know they've all moved on like the his teammates have they've you know half of them aren't even there anymore guys like Matt Harvey finally took the stand and it was like, oh, Matt Harvey's on drugs. Well, okay. Again, I mean, we knew that years ago. You know, he, he flamed out in New York. He flamed out of everywhere he's been. It's what, what else was it? It was obviously drugs. So it was just unfortunate to, to, to see guys like that go and, and have to testify. And, you know, they, they, they lifted the veil somewhat on, on what happens behind the scenes. Things we're not necessarily privy to every day. Um, but I think, I think it had it happened during spring training, had it happened when people were focused on baseball, it probably would have garnered more attention, but instead it was just kind of a, a news story for a day and the, you know, the news moved on. There's, you know, the 24 hour news cycle only, you only, you're only in it so long. Yeah. Uh, a couple, couple more and we'll get you out of here. If you had to make an over under here, how many games we get for baseball? What do you think? What would you make? 130, 140? 
I'd probably go like I think so. I think we lose most of the month of April. Maybe we get like a, an early May start. And truthfully, those early April games when they play a lot of day games in in the central divisions and it's cold out everywhere, and and attendance is low. You know, the owners don't care about those games. They know they're going to lose money on those games. You know, in fact, the owners know how much money they make on every game. You know, they know which which early season games are the least profitable, and they're they're happy to dump those games. So I don't think we're going to see a, a quick resolution. I do think we're going to see a resolution. I think what happens essentially is once players miss a paycheck or two and mortgages start adding up and you know ferrari payments start adding up and everything else that they've bought with debt starts adding up that um you start seeing the players get back to the negotiating table and probably take take a deal that they won't take now um you also got to remember that that the the goal of management is to split and divide the union and, and fracture them so there's not a unified voice and not a unified goal. So you, you split the, the rank and file from the, the superstars and you deal with the superstars directly, basically, um, would also be how I would anticipate the management goes about it. But we probably lose a month of the season, play about 120 games, give or take, is what I'd say. I'd probably put the the over under at 125 right now. Um, I just don't think we're gonna get we're gonna get a quick resolution to this. I think it drags on for for another month. Yeah, it's uh, it's tough. Do you bet any season win totals? Like, will you hedge your bets? Like something with the Orioles, where you like them 200 to one. Will you bet season win totals? Or I, I will. But yeah. se- season win totals for me are are not correlated with my with my division bets like you know you could like something 200 to 1 and still think they're going to win under 65 games or whatever right. whatever baltimore's total is going to be this year it was like 59 last year it was incredibly low i think it'd probably be a couple games higher this year assuming we we had a full schedule which we don't but the the problem with win totals for me the last couple of years so in 2020 we had the 60 game season didn't play any win totals i thought that was just a fruitless endeavor in a 60 game season and then last season i just i went through it and there wasn't much value i made you know maybe five bets total probably not even that um and then this year for the third the second time in two years we're looking at at a non-162 game schedule so win totals are probably one of my least interesting or one of the markets i'm least interested in just because i think my money is better placed elsewhere at the moment yeah, it's uh it, that the sixty game season was was tough and yeah I agree with you Baltimore probably you juice them up a little bit a few more wins but again that's a brutal division I mean you're looking at basically eighty games with the Jays the Rays the Yankees the Red Sox that's tough and it's tough when you don't have a lot of pitching to play in that ballpark because it's such a small ballpark that it almost it, it works against you now again if they had Correa if some of these guys come up maybe it's a different story but uh, appreciate you coming on Jason anything you're betting how was your first week without football uh, oh wait you were at the Super Bowl right you you went to the game yeah I was at Super Bowl so this this last week was was kind of a come down you know there wasn't wasn't any football there wasn't any baseball um i think i watched i watched the last period of the russia finland hockey gold medal game and i watched i watched a little bit of of denmark versus usa curling that was about all the winter olympics i followed all week 
and I watched some golf, but even even the golf this week was just kind of boring, you know, like wasn't wasn't very followable if you you know unless you add like top tens or top twenties. So you know, it was a light week. I got a lot of reading done and hopefully this week I'll catch up on a whole bunch of other stuff I've been putting off and get ready for baseball some more. I keep betting a little bit of baseball every day. Yeah, I, I watch sports basically from morning to night and look at odds and all that. I, I swear, I could not name one athlete in the Winter Olympics. If you told me, hey, I'll give you $10 million if you could name one athlete over under a half of one, uh, an athlete in the Winter Olympics. I could not name one. Not not one. Every time I turn the TV on, it's something. It's just something different in the snow. It feels like a different variation of some sort of snow activity. Yeah, it was real disappointing, especially because previous Winter Olympics have been good betting opportunities and good betting markets this year. It just thought the presentation was was bad and you know just i i really enjoyed the summer olympics too i did a lot of summer olympics betting and this was this was just an, a huge huge letdown as terms of a sporting event as a betting event it was absolutely just just not not good do you get into hockey basketball do you have any futures tickets with that stuff i, mean, I know you mentioned the heart trophy but do you get into like teams futures do you follow hockey basketball or just not really no no hockey for me i i've i've tried before and it's just like i got only so much time you know and baseball takes up so much time typically from from the end of february to september that i i don't really get into hockey and i used to do college basketball i used to do nba um didn't didn't particularly have a lot of success in either one of those to to really press the envelope but like i i follow the nba i'll I'll make some bets every now and then but but my my nba betting is is by far like my weakest and most recreational market so i don't i don't really ever discuss with people what i think of the nba i'm usually asking other people what they think of the nba so I can, you know, base my bets off that. I'm, you know, I'm more of a casual basketball fan than, than a very, very good basketball better. Well, I got news for you, Jason. You got a podcast four or five days a week. I got, you know, four days a week. We're both going to be hockey experts come, uh, you know, April, May, if we don't get baseball. So uh, break out your skates, start studying up. Cause we're all going to be, uh, we're all going to have to get into some, diff- some different sports. If we don't get baseball back soon, hopefully we do. Well, we're gonna have minor league baseball. Even even if there's no major league season, the minor league season tip or tees off, tips off, whatever. Uh, what is it? April fourth or something? They're gonna play 150 games. So you're gonna get 150 games at the AAA level. And if if there's no MLB, you know the 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 books already the legal books usually already post AAA lines or they have for the last year. So I would expect much more. Uh, focus on minor league baseball gambling and there's always mexico and nicaragua and you know they don't stop playing baseball everywhere else just because major league doesn't play so there will be plenty of baseball betting opportunities in five five six weeks it's just a question of if, if it'll be at the major league level and if there's a prolonged major league lockout you might see some guys show up in Mexico. You know, you might see some guys show up somewhere else. It wouldn't, all, all sorts of things wouldn't surprise me down the line. 
Well, hopefully my audience turns on this podcast to hear my thoughts on the uh, the Columbus Clippers versus the, you know the Las Vegas 76ers or, or some of these teams. The 51s, uh, did, I think. Yeah. Okay. No, the AV. You did mention something. Now. There was baseball on this weekend, the college baseball. I got to get into it. I got to get the audience into it. I can't recommend it enough. I mean, these players are good. I mean, you got guys throwing you know, 98, 99 miles an hour. The, the, the environment, the atmosphere, these players are very – uh, I would say enthusiastic about winning. There's a lot of emotion. So uh, I would urge people, if you're just hanging around, again, it's not necessarily appointment television, but if you're just home flipping through the channels, you know, watch a few innings of this college baseball. The college baseball is very entertaining. It's very fun to watch. Yeah, I had, I had a bunch of people hit me up this last week and ask me, they're like, hey, do you handicap college baseball? And I don't. I actually, I've, I've never done it. I've I've like watched College World Series. I've bet on the College World Series, but it's it's not typically a market that I've, I've paid a lot of attention to so you know I see a lot of people asking about it and you know you got to get volume when you're a sports book you got to got to make up for that that baseball volume one way or the other so we will see what books do to uh attract that volume in a month or two wouldn't surprise me if uh like I said if we see a lot more minor league stuff all right, Jason. Appreciate you coming on. Hopefully, we'll have you again on soon. Uh, again, the Wide World of Weingarten podcast. It, again, it's must listen to. What are you doing? Four days a week? Five days a week? Does it vary? Yeah, it varies. Just with the the sports schedule. As as we get closer to baseball, we'll be doing five, possibly even six episodes a week. Um, just there's certain days right now where I don't want to put out an episode where I just have nothing to talk about necessarily. You know, I, I try to give people stuff that they can actually bet. So some days right now when, when there's not much for me to bet on, I, I've skipped some days. But I, I try to, you know, I'm, I'm usually on VEASAN or I'm on someone else's podcast if I'm skipping a day. So I try to make sure there's still still content out there one way or the other if I'm not putting out a daily pod. All right. Well, everyone out there, check out Jason's podcast. That is the Wide World of Weingarten podcast. He doesn't just help you win. He really, he teaches you how to win. So uh, it's really, it's fun to listen to. It helps you win. Can't recommend it enough. Jason, thanks for coming on. Hopefully we'll talk again soon. Appreciate it, buddy. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me. Always fun. All right. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you to Jason Weingarten. Hopefully once baseball starts, uh, we can get him on pretty regularly because as you can tell, he's as good with baseball, futures, all that stuff as anyone kind of sees things differently, thinks outside the box, as you can tell. So uh, always enjoy having Jason on. We'll be back tomorrow. Jake Fisher of Bleacher Report had a great piece uh, on the Harden trade, the inner workings of that. It really has some great sources. So we'll talk to Jake tomorrow. We'll be back to talk um, you know, NBA as the season kicks off here in a couple days. We'll do some different things. So we'll see you guys tomorrow. This is the New York City Cast presented by Bet River Sportsbook. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. 
if you dare.